I invite you to join me in the spirit of forgiveness, forgiving me, and prayer. Spirit of life-giving love and love-giving life. Spirit of a winter day when there is a storm on the horizon. Let us take this time that we have before the storm arrives to, to batten the hatches, to secure the loose ends, to act in intentional ways that secure those relationships, those elements of our lives that are what give us most meaning. May each of us who comes wounded or ill or challenged this morning be filled with a guiding spirit that helps us to know what our next step might be. Let us hold this moment together in quiet. Amen. Our ancient reading this morning is an adaption from the Hebrew book of Isaiah. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the Holy Way. It shall be for God's people, and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Our modern reading is the poem, A Valley Like This, by William Stafford. Sometimes you look at an empty valley like this, and suddenly the air is filled with snow. That is the way the whole world happened. There was nothing, and then. But maybe sometime you will look out, and even the mountains are gone. The world becomes nothing again. What can a person do to help bring back the world? We have to watch it and then look at each other. Together, we hold it close and carefully save it, like a bubble that can disappear if we don't watch out. Please think about this as you go on. Breathe on the world. Hold out your hands to it. When mornings and evenings roll along, watch how they open and close, how they invite you to the long party that your life is. So as I cast about looking for ways of beginning my message for you this morning, I, I came across a stanza of a poem that I wrote about four years ago for a service that we were doing on winter. It was a service that was primarily of poetry and, and piano music. and. Uh, and the, the verse reads, we are each called to community, to minister to one another, to witness the pain and the glory in one another's lives, for in the end, it is the witnessing and the connections made in it that will matter. Um, and so I want to talk about our shared ministry this morning, and I want to go back because uh, March is an anniversary month for me. I want to go back to 19 years ago. Uh, 19 years ago, last month in February, I was asked to come and be the, the pre-candidate for this pulpit here in Montclair. I was asked by your 
by your search committee to, to come and meet with them for a weekend. And, and I preached down in, in Lincroft. And the, uh, of course, the people in Lincroft didn't know, just as we never know when somebody's doing a uh, neutral pulpit here, do we? Some of us, some of us do. Uh, but I, I preached down in Lincroft and then, then met with them uh, some more. And, and they asked me at the end of that meeting if they were to, if they were to ask me um, if I would accept the candidacy to be the minister of this congregation, would I accept that offer? And I told them that there was one more congregation that I needed to pre-candidate for. I was in conversation at that time with seven different uh, congregations across the country uh, and, and even on islands not directly attached to the country. And, and there was one more that, that I needed uh, to, to speak with and to have a pre-candidating weekend because it was very close to back home. And I thought, uh, if, if I can go there and feel called to that congregation that's so much closer to home, maybe that's where I and my family will belong. And probably less than halfway through that weekend, I recognized that my call was to the Unitarian Universalist congregation at Montclair. Um, and 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 I recognized it because what I knew in the, the moment of that recognition was that I would be called to do the very best work that I'm capable of doing. I would be called to do the very best ministry that I'm capable of doing every day of my ministry in Montclair. And that was the kind of, of vital ministry that I wanted to be engaged in. And I didn't, I didn't have that experience in any of the other congregations. And so I said no to six other congregations and said yes to Montclair and came here. And, and what made me recognize that about Montclair was the incredible history of of the ministries that are here, not just of the ministers, but of the ministries. Uh, a congregation that's been dedicated to, to civil rights and anti-racism since the early 19-teens. A congregation that has been a spiritual home for, for people in Montclair and the surrounding areas for, for now 117 years. And a congregation that, as Betsy Templeton, another member of that search committee, said in the search packet, I belong to this congregation because it's a congregation that does something about things. And, and I wanted to be here with a congregation that does something about things. And that's what we've done for the past 19 years. You have demanded of me my best work and my best ministry, and I have been only grateful for the opportunity to be encouraged and, and have expectations like that held out for me. We have, um, from the very first year of my arrival 19 years ago, uh, we, we did a, a visioning workshop for the congregation. And we have done visioning and revisioning workshops off and on through all of the years. Uh, and, and part of that has been a way in which this congregation has held itself to the task of being in the moment, being aware, and being alert to what is going on around us in the community and what we can be doing towards it. Uh, 
a very, very vital ministry that we've shared in since, since I've been here that, that began well before my arrival was the undoing racism uh, work of our congregation. The after school program that began, I mentioned Bill Brock before. Bill Brock and Frank Rennie began our after school program and, and Pete Williams is now the, the superintendent of, of that program and it's a, a, a phenomenal program where we bring children who've been identified as being at risk from Hillside School up the street down and they have individual tutors. How many of you have participated in the after-school program over the years? Anyone here? No. Well, we have had a, a good number, a goodly number of members of our congregation who have been a part of it, and it has been a vital part of our ministry since then. Um, something that will be a part of my heart at its deepest is the way that our community came together around September 11th, 2001, how we ministered to one another and how we managed to get through that day, the, the following days and, and the following weeks. Um, our work together on, on marriage equality, the, the little joke that I made yesterday is that our congregation was responsible for marriage equality being a successful venture in the state of New Jersey. Uh, you see, the, the joke part of that is that we weren't in it alone. We were, we were part of a broad coalition, but our congregation was, was deeply committed and did not let go of that call until marriage equality was, was achieved in our state. Um, in, in these last few years, the last four years or so, the, the restructuring of our infrastructure and the, the work of Judy Tomlinson so that we are making sure that that our membership has a way of being spiritually connected with small enough groups of people so that we aren't just here questioning ultimate, ultimate uh, matter. We are here to question those ultimate concerns within the context of smaller relationships, smaller groups of relationship. And the, the recreation of our music program over these, these last couple of years under the leadership of Marcus Houck has just been totally, totally phenomenal and has been so uplifting in our shared ministry. Our mesh ministry, uh, Joel Naftelberg would say quickly that he is not the, the leader of that ministry, but he is certainly among the leaders of that ministry and, uh, and how vital. Uh, a part of our congregation that ministry has become. How many of you have been involved in, in the MESH ministry in, in one way or another? Quite a few of us. There are so many other areas of ministry that, that have been a part of what we've been doing. And so for, for 19 years, I would hold up for you, we have all done our best done our best at creating and recreating this community that is centered in our spiritual and soulful lives and that is expressed through our social outreach. So for 19 years, this has been going forward. And then, then a couple of years ago, Daryl Berger of the Orange Congregation calls me up and said, you know, Charlie, we're falling on hard times here in Orange, and, and maybe if we would do some activities with the folks in Montclair, we could revitalize our energies here. And so, so we, we did some activities together, and they were really very good activities. Uh, and they did nothing toward regenerating, regenerating the energy in Orange. Uh, and then when uh, late in August, I learned that uh, 
Two of the couples of the six couples who were primary players in the Orange Congregation were going to be leaving because they were moving away and because Daryl Berger, the, the part-time minister, himself was moving away, I, I, I knew, I, I felt Im- immediately that our congregation was called to be in a significant relationship with the Orange Congregation uh, my understanding of that calling was was to a merger uh, kind of relationship so that so that we could walk the walk of our uh, mission to uh, transform our hearts, our homes, our community, and our world uh, in in orange, six miles, six miles from where we are sitting this morning and 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 what I learned last August was that with, with, with only eight or ten still active members in the Orange Congregation, that, that the doors to that congregation would be closing if we didn't act in that way. And so I talked with Teresa D'Souza, our president, with Mike Mernon, our vice president. I talked with a number of other leaders, and we began conversations. And a number of you have become part of our merger team and, and have been working toward this merger um, with us. And, and we tried to, to keep the congregation up to date and what's been going on there. Um, but we had very vital conversations leading to the possibility of merger with Orange. And from the very beginning of those conversations, every time I have said anything about the merger, every time I have written anything about the merger, part of that communication has always been this cannot be about me. This cannot be about Charlie Ortman. This has to be about the Unitarian Universalist congregation at Montclair. And if, if merger is something that we want to do, then it has to be something that you want to do. And I would not want anyone voting for such a merger because they thought I, Charlie Ortman, wanted that merger to take place. And so, uh, and so I was satisfied with the process and with that message and, until I went down to San Miguel de Allende for the sabbatical month that I took in September. And, and the uh, struggle that I came up with at that time was that I had not been fully forthcoming to the members of our congregation uh, about my intentions. And uh, I was planning on making an announcement to you all this coming September. And what I recognized in San Miguel was that I couldn't wait until September to make the announcement that I had in store, that that announcement needed to be made at this time, so that as you vote uh, whether to continue in the conversations about the merger, and then in May, uh, hopefully when it comes to an actual vote about merging with Orange, you know you have a full understanding, and I wanted our vote to have all of the integrity that it could possibly have. And so the information that I want you to have as of this morning is that my retirement will become effective on the, at the end of June, a year from this June. So 16 months from now, I will be retiring as your senior minister. And, and because I won't be with you to get all the way across the desert to the promised land, if merger is indeed what's in store, I wanted you to know that that was the case, so that indeed uh, any votes toward merger 
are being made with a full understanding that it is because this congregation wants merger that this congregation would vote for merger. So, so before I go on, let me immediately answer some questions you might be asking yourself at this point. If I were sitting in your seat, I would be asking these questions at this point. So, so the first question I would uh, imagine is uh, you wondering, so what is next for me? In, in, in ministry. And uh, I have no intention of, of going into another parish and, and doing what we have done here. This is the parish of my life, uh, and it will always be that. But uh, my intention will be, uh, after, after mentoring quite a number of new students and new ministers over the years, I love mentoring, and, and my hope is to, to do at least a couple of interim ministries and, and mentor entire congregations as they go about Re, uh, constructing an idea of who they are in between ministries. So uh, I have a vague notion of that. And then the question, of course, is where might that be? And the answer to that is no idea. No idea in the world because uh, there is no idea what pulpits will be in need of an interim minister uh, in a little over a year from now. But, um, so, so there's that. But, but much more importantly, um, I would guess that you're asking, so what's next for the congregation? Uh, if you're leaving, what do we do? And, and uh, the answer to that is there is uh, a very clear process for a search for a new minister. And um, your leadership will be well-versed in that. Um, there will be a time uh, in... in after I leave when there will be either one or two years, and I'm imagining that it might be one year since we have as much lead time as we do with me still here and you knowing that I'll be leaving, um, that, that when I leave, uh, perhaps you'll only need a one-year interim ministry, but uh, you will definitely need an interim ministry between uh, settled ministers, I believe. And, uh, and during that interim, uh, you will elect a search committee who will um, discern who and what this congregation is at this point in time and, and who and what kind of ministry you will be seeking in a professional senior minister. And uh, it, the, that process will be laid out for you, but rest assured there is a, a very good process that leads to that end. But also what, it, what my telling you this might mean for the future of the congregation in regard to the merger is this. There are two votes that are coming up for you that, that I want you to consider very differently. Um, and in the first vote, you'll be voting on whether or not to pursue a letter of agreement that will allow you to be in conversation with the Orange congregation about the potential of merger. There are no commitments made to the merger in such an exploration. And uh, I'll be very frank with you and, and say, I hope you vote for this. I, I hope you vote to continue that conversation because I think only by being engaged deeply in that conversation will you be able to then come to a final vote of whether or not to merge with a full understanding of what this will mean for you, what it will mean for that congregation, what it will mean in terms of, of whether the venture is successful or not successful. There are no bets. Um, that say because we go into merger that this is going to work. But there is a very strong bet that if we don't go into merger, it's not going to work. Um, so so the, the vote that you take at our annual meeting on whether to go into merger or not is, is the one that I, I think you have to know 
in your heart of hearts that this is something that the congregation is, is called to. Um, and and the, the meeting that's going to take place in a couple of weeks, I think uh, a successful vote of, of that um, proposal will allow you um, to discern that, that may vote more carefully. So, so those are questions that you might have. Um, something that I said in the, in the new member welcoming, some, and it, it came to me in the, in the last of the new UU classes this last week that, that I want to hold up for you this morning is that the professional minister of a congregation is responsible to a significant extent for articulating the values of the congregation. But don't let that confuse you. The true value of the congregation lies in the members and in the members' ministry of the congregation. And that will be strong going forward no matter what, because you are indeed an amazing congregation. Uh, I cannot possibly tell you uh, in so many words. I hope that I tell you in my actions, but I cannot tell you in so many words how you have shaped my life for what will be 20 years in ways that I could have never hoped. And it has been my incredible honor to walk this journey of ministry with you. And it will continue to be. It will continue to be for the next 16 months. And, you know, yes, we are in the, the, the new knowledge now that this is a reality. But I hope that um, the goodbyes do not start now and last until June of 2015. Um, we've got a lot of work to do together yet, and, and I look forward to doing that work. I look forward to, to moving forward with you for these 16 months. And then I look forward to watching how you continue to move forward as you reshape your ministry. The author Annie Dillard wrote, the answer must be, I think, that beauty and grace are performed whether or not we will or sense them. The least we can do is try to be there.